Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. It's awesome that you made the choice to be here today. So happy you're here. Uh, my topic for the sermon today is comfortable. Wait, uncomfortable. Oh, rats. Um, and to start out, to introduce this topic, I want to bring up, you know, one day we're going to be with Jesus. And do you think we're going to want to get up there and say, hey, Jesus, um, you know, just to let you know, I made life as comfortable as I could for myself. I, I know you're proud. I bought everything that made me happy. For instance, bacon, steak, pigs in a blanket. I hung around with people that agree with me in my ideology. I hung around with people that look like me, that think like me, share my hobbies, and uh, I hung around people um, just like that. And I even loved people so well. Get a load of this. I love people so well, but just the people that love me. I kept those Christians whose lives were a mess at arm's length. I don't want them influencing my kids. I kept weird people, weird people away from me. I kept my job. I kept my job and my friends so skillfully. Listen to this. I knew that if I made a big deal of you and made some waves, I might lose my job and my friends. So I only mention what most people mention, even the president of the United States mentions, in times of crisis. I'll pray for you. No mention of Jesus or anything that's going to make waves and make people uncomfortable. And you know what? I know you're happy with me, God. I know that you're just, I'm just the best, right? So to, to move into, further into my sermon, uh, I want to talk about, you know, how good am I at being uncomfortable? I mean, I want us to think about that. How, how, how skillful am I at being okay with, dis, with discomfort? Um, and to be honest, I'm guilty of all of those things I listed before, way guilty, especially the last one at work. Um, you know, but the funny thing is, is I'm really good at making myself uncomfortable when it comes to things that aren't spiritual. I'm probably one of the better people you know at making myself uncomfortable, just in a different way. Um, I do consider myself an, a pretty elite runner, um, and, the, and to, to get there, the training is all about being okay with pain. When, for instance, uh, you know, I can remember a run this year where it was you know, pitch dark, it was pouring rain and windy, um, and here I am all alone up in Woodford on a dead-end road, nobody around for miles, and I'm training, I'm running in that weather. Um, this year, very recently, here I am, there's a huge hill and I'm in snowshoes, and I think, well, maybe I can't run up the whole thing, but I'm going to... I'm going to try. And I'm running up, and I'm sinking in, and my heart rate's going through the roof, and I'm about ready to die. Um, so I, f I have to physically stop running and walk up the steep parts, and then as soon as it flattens out, I go back to my run to keep my heart rate skyrocketing. Um, another example was making myself, running so hard, I made myself sick this year. It was, it was around zero degrees, and I'm at the Mount Anthony track, and I'm doing um, a 5K on the track all by myself. And I didn't bring a face mask. So I, I start to really hurt on mile one. And I, I keep the same pace up. I have my watch. I'm timing it out. I want to hit a certain goal. Um, and my lungs are hurting more and more and more to a point where on the final lap, I was ready to do my kick. And it hurt so bad, I had to slow down. Um, I made myself physically sick to where I still have a cough today from it. I still, I'm still coughing stuff up. Um, so I want to say that I'm really good at making myself uncomfortable in certain ways. 
I'm, you know, I, I'm a pretty, pretty uh, very skillful in making myself physically uncomfortable. So you'd think it would translate, okay, spiritually uncomfortable, I'd be really good at that. But not so. I'm, I'm a wimp. I definitely am just a huge wimp, especially when I compare myself to certain people here today. Um, you know, I want to I point out a couple of examples. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I've noticed a cynical trait, a cynical guy trait. They, they are evangelists at work. They share stories. Every one of them just shares a story where they're open about their faith and they share about Jesus. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys are fearless. And then you have, uh, then you have James telling a story in men's group uh, where he's going to spend the weekend on a hunt. And he's telling this lady at work and she's like, oh yeah, typical Vermont thing. She's like, oh yeah, you're going to go out there and meditate on nature. And if we want to blend in, we'll just be like, yeah, that's it. You know, I really like nature, but not James. James goes, yeah. And he drops the creator bomb or the Jesus bomb. And, you know, her mouth just gapes open. She can't believe that he just said that. He's still here today. He didn't burn up. He didn't die. You know, and the lady was very impressed and they had a big conversation. So it can be done. I want to get better at it. Um, I'm definitely not there yet, though. So that leads me into my main points of today. Um, we're going to explore mainly one text. Um, and my main points today is our natural way of loving people is to love comfortably. We're totally okay with that. Two, God sets the ultimate example of loving uncomfortably. And three, the way that we love people can make us blend in with darkness with everyone else. Or the way we love people can make us salt and light in the world. Um, so that's what I'm going to be focusing on. That's what I hope to prove to you today. Um, and it's definitely a sermon for me too. Challenging sermon for me too, as you can already tell. Um, so our main text comes from Matthew 5, 43 to 48. James is in the back and James is well equipped with some Bibles. If anybody wants to follow along, just shoot your hands up. He's super ready to go. Okay, um, so Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount ser uh, series that he gives. And here's how it starts. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those, if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay. As there's our challenging text. I want to unpack each verse uh, for you. And the first part of it talks about our natural way of loving people. What, you know, if we, if we were not to try super hard and just kind of stay in our comfortable box, what's it going to look like? Matthew, or actually Jesus teaches on this, what that looks like for everyone to settle into. Um, he says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So that's what's natural. Not 
for the world around us, but that's what's natural for the religious elite at the time this was written. So you might have heard um, the, uh, the verse that says, love your neighbor as yourself um, from the Old Testament. It was the Jewish teaching. It was, what, it was what all the Jewish people would have known and been familiar with. But did you know that it doesn't say anything about your enemies? Right? That's missing from that equality. Um, it just says, love your neighbor. And so what the religious teachers of the day did was they added a clause to that. They said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that's just sick. That's disgusting. That's the worst form of love. That brings about racism, bigotry, and, and about any word in the book is what that's going to bring up. It just says, okay, you know, you just get to love who you want and call someone an enemy and you can hate them. And that's what the religious elite were doing until Jesus came and cleared, the, cleared up the air. So that's what everybody settles into. That's the easy way of love is to love who loves you and hate who hates you. I was just shocked when I heard that, uh, when I was reading that, that the, that the Jewish people from the Old Testament, that's what they were practicing and, and Jesus cleared the air. Um, so my next point is on uh, the most comfortable love for us and what it looks like. And the passage is in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. So here's, the, here's love at its most comfortable. It's pretty gross. But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Each one of those statements makes love very easy. If we, if we decide to love money, that's going to make our lives very easy. We won't give. We're going to hold on to that, and our lives are going to be pretty plush. If we love ourselves, that's the easy part sometimes. Um, but loving ourselves and just thinking all about us and building ourselves up and we're the best, you know, that's, that's the easy route. Um, ha looking like godly people, but denying that God gave us those qualities. That's easy. Easy to be, easy to actually have it all together and to look good and, and to uh, not point others, say, hey, that was God in my life. That's the easy route of love. Um, so now that we're convinced that uh, that's the natural way, let's look at the better way. God is our ultimate example of the better way. And that's what I want to move into now. God loves in an unnatural way. And uh, verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So what does that mean? That means, this love means giving your enemy water, your enemy water, when they're thirsty. This love means washing your enemy's feet the night he's going to betray you to your death. This love means lavishing your enemies with as many gifts 
as you lavish your friends. This love means dying for your enemies. It means refusing to get even with them. It means to give your enemy the other glove when they steal one of yours. It means walking with them two miles when they ask you to walk with them one. So what about praying for those who persecute you? Um, Praying is one of the most holy acts that we have. When we pray, we enter into the most holy of holies. We enter into God's throne room. We enter into his brain. We enter into his sense of smell. Our prayers are a fragrance to him. This text is asking us to bring the most rotten people we know before God during that time. We pray for God to love them unconditionally. We pray to God to win them over with his love. We bring these prayers as a fragrant offering to God and he, and he enjoys it and he loves it because it's, it's who he is. Um, I have one example because we don't really have very many enemies in this life, right? So you might substitute someone who thinks differently from you or um, who kind of just annoys you a little bit, you don't really like. Um, but I, you know, I've accrued maybe a few enemies as a teacher. It just happens. Um, not every student's going to love you. You have some students that just hate your guts and they're going to work against you and they're going to lead rebellions against you. It's true. It happens. Um, so, so that's where I found some of my first enemies was students. And, but it's a challenge. It's, you know, as a teacher, I want to be, I want to treat every student with love regardless of how they treat me. Every, every student deserves um, my 100% effort every day. It can't change. I can't be bringing grudges from day to day. Um, so I, one year, I had a particularly difficult eighth grader. Um, he had been in a, in a K-8 K school. He, had been, he was checked out. He was done. And I wasn't going to let him be done. I was going to kind of you know, step in. He was also a popular eighth grade boy. Um, I was going to sort of call him out on certain things. I did that a little too early in the year, maybe. Uh, made an enemy real quick. You got to be careful as a teacher. Um, and the rest of the year, he tried to make my life miserable. Every day. Um, imagine that. So imagine th- me trying to love a student like that and care for them. I'm scoring their work. Okay? I can't, I can't have anything, you know, biased about that. I can't work against him. I'm for him. So how do I do it? It was, it was solely through praying on the way to school, praying for that student, praying for his benefit, praying for his future that allowed me to love him and give him a fair shot just like every other kid. It wasn't easy because he did affect my life outside of school. It's hard to get those, those thoughts out of your brain, but it, it takes work, but it can be done. Um, so that's sort of my experience with, you know, an enemy because we don't, you know, we don't always get faced with enemies. So it, it can also be someone who looks different, thinks different. Um, but it can be done. Okay. So my second point, God sets the ultimate example of loving uncomfortably. So, you know, who are we to follow? Are you to follow my example? Not, you know, not exactly. It helps. Um, but who are we ultimately to follow? It's God's example that we follow. Okay. So, um, by praying for our enemies, by loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute you, 
This is what verse 45 says. So when we do those things, we are sons of the Father who is in heaven. Okay, um, sons and daughters, of course. Um, but when, it, when, a, when the scriptures say sons of your father, back in the time period, it meant that you were going to do his job. If he was a carpenter and you're a son of your father, it meant that you were going to be a carpenter, just like your dad. Um, if, you were a, if he was a painter, it meant if you were a son of your father, it meant he was, or you would be a, a painter as well. So whatever vocation to be a son of your father, um, that's what it meant. So we're sons and daughters of our father, so we're going to do exactly what he did. So let's see an example of that. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, he died for us. Just think. When Jesus was nailed to the cross with a crown of thorns on his brow and a disfigured face beyond recognition, the last moments of his life, who did he pray for? His mom was there, someone who loved him his entire life, someone who was weeping, crying, heartbroken, right there. You can't pretend he couldn't see her. Do you pray for his mom? No. His disciples were there, and he knows the future. He knows Peter would one day choose to be crucified upside down so that he, because he didn't consider himself worthy of the same death of Jesus. He knew that. He knew that he would have people like us today talking about him, living for him, um, dying for him. He didn't pray for us. Who did he pray for? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He prays for the very people who rejected his love and who used his love against him for reason to crucify him. He is our example of loving enemies. Uncomfortably. Okay, that's about the most discomfort you could be in. Again, God sets the ultimate example of loving uncomfortably. This next verse is a really interesting one. He says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. This is how he demonstrates his love for us. This was Jesus' example. He makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. Let me talk about that for a little while. I was trying to think of an example of this, and I thought of maybe the most evil person I could think of. I thought of Adolf Hitler, okay, as someone who was evil, um, and how God throughout his life, um, even though Hitler broke God's heart and made God weep every day, God still gave him blessings. But I thought, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna share that example. I'm gonna throw my name in there. I'm gonna throw Joe Carter in there. And let's, let's hear a little bit about my story. When I was in high school, you know, when I wasn't living for him, when I was his enemy and I was getting drunk and I was leading rebellion against him, I was going to parties, I was ashamed of him, I wouldn't be friends on Facebook with a Christian, I was, you know, I tried not to be and I was ashamed when somebody who was a Christian posted on my wall any sort of a verse. You know, when I was in college and doing the same thing and worse, when I was hurting others, when I was the center of my own universe, 
God blessed me. Unbelievable. He, made, he allowed me to grow up in Vermont, for crying out loud, and, and give me all these trails to hike on, loving parents, vacations to Florida, blessing upon blessing in my life when I was his enemy, when I didn't deserve it. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he do that for us? The, the reason he does it for us is because God loves every single person regardless of whether you have it together or not. And he wants our relationship. He won me over. He wants to win you over too. He doesn't stop at anything. Take a look at this verse. This, this is the passage I was reminded of when I thought about that. Psalm 139, 7 to 14. And maybe you can put your name, you know, in for the pronouns here, for I. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand, this is my right hand, will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. You know, who hasn't done that? Who hasn't surrounded themselves with darkness in their life? Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The, light, the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Amen, right? The next part kind of gets into the annoying parts of life. He also sends rain on the just and the unjust. He sends rain on the good people and the bad people. That's a truth in our world. To think about how to illustrate this, I think about, you know, I got married not so long ago. Um, and when I got married, you know, you get cer certain responsibilities um, that kind of come along with it. I decided that I'd be changing the oil in the car. I'm a man now. I better change my own oil. Something so simple, right? Um, it should be so easy until your tool, it's in the middle of winter and your tool freezes to the filter and you can't get it off. So simple, you know, and then you just, you're just trying. You're, you're trying to do a good thing and everything goes wrong. And then you realize, I think I put too much oil in the tank and, it, you know, it could just jeopardize the whole system and, and I have to do it all over again. Thankfully, I didn't actually have to. I called my dad in a panic. And while I was in a panic, the, the oil settled down below to where it should be. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad. God is good. <laughs> but the pain in the neck stuff does happen. And maybe in your case, you try to fix something and it, goes, it gets 10 times worse. You're trying to do a good thing. Why does it happen? And then you turn on the TV and you see all these people winning at life. And the worst people are billionaires and they're winning and what the heck. Well, my dad, you know, a source of wisdom in my life, you know, kind of explained to me over the phone that you're trying to do a good thing and everything goes wrong. And that's just how it goes sometimes. God allows the rain to come down on the just and the unjust is the point. Um, just like he bestows his goodness on us as well. It's how it goes in our broken world today. 
Okay, and to move into my last point, um, the way that we love people can make us blend in with everybody else in the darkness or stand out as salt and light. I'm going to start with, um, you know, in the same speech, this, is, this came before his topic on love your enemies. He says something about salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are called to be salt and light in this world. That, that we can't get around. But in order to be tasted by the world, we have to represent God's truth. And the same is true if we want to be light in the darkness. In order to achieve any of this, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable and to stand out. That's the hard part. We have to be willing to stand out, especially because I, you know, I'm pretty good at, at not making waves. I've lived in Vermont my whole life. I know how to, I know how to avoid certain things to say. Um, so let's look at uh, that, that concept of blending in, um, the way we love people making us blend in with darkness or standing out as salt and light. And uh, it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Okay, not tax collectors in our world today. Tax collectors, when the Roman government was ruling over the Jewish nation, they didn't like that. Um, not only was the Roman government ruling over the Jewish nation, those who were tax collectors were serving the Roman government and were incredibly corrupt. They were about the slimiest people in society. They were like the Vermonters. I don't know if there's any, I can't really picture a Vermonter that, that you know, like we all hate. I don't know. Um, but maybe you can picture somebody, just the slimiest um, character. So if even the slimiest character um, loves those who love them, picture a gang um, member, okay? They love those that love them. They shoot up those who shoot up them. Anyway, um, that's, I guess, mo maybe the most extreme example. But there's no getting around it. We're really good at loving people that love us, and we just blend right in. Nobody's going to recognize anything different about us. Here's another point. This one hurts. This one I had to, because I've been working on this sermon for a few weeks, this one I had to put into practice. Um, and it's a, this one's a really big challenge. It says, And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So it kind of hits at, uh, you know, our church fellowship. You know, who we, sit, who we choose to sit next to, who we give attention to, who we talk to. Um, you know, if we talk to people, if we just surround ourselves with people that have it all together, that's what everybody else does too. So good job. You know, we blend right in. And, I, and I'm pretty good at that. You know, pursuing people that I, I think I'll get along with or I will like, or that will like me back. Um, so that, you know, the, the challenge is, okay, you know, who can I hang out with and talk to and, and be a blessing to that I wouldn't naturally do? Who can I give my gifts to? 
you know, my gifts of encouragement or of giving or, or whatever you're gifted in. Who can I bless that's not like the one that's going to bless me back? To actually be thinking about that. Um, who can I pray for in my, in my church family or maybe they're an outsider? Um, who can I pray for and pursue that maybe they're last on my list? They're like, no way, not that person. That one, that one cuts pretty deep there. Um, so let's end, with a ch- let's end sort of with a challenge. Sort of tied together. Um, you know, I challenge us to step out of our comfortability in the way we love. I challenge us to be salt and light, pointing all people towards Jesus. Not just the ones that, you know, are going to be easy. Um, and this happens at work, too. This happens in our community as well. And it, the easiest place for it to happen is in, this, in the four walls in here because it's what it's expected. It can also happen here as well. Um, so to reiterate, you're not going to be salty. You won't be light at all if you're just blessing those who bless you blessing those who like you. The challenge is to offer your hospitality. Offer your patience. Offer your kindness to those who don't like you. Just like you give gifts to those who you naturally like. Imagine that. You know, you get, you're, you're looking at, you have extra money, you're looking who to bless. Think about somebody who could really use it that doesn't like you, doesn't look like you you don't think really deserves it. Man, how cool would that be? Okay, step out of the darkness of comfort. Play, pray for those who are on the outside of our family. Pray for those whose faith is ugly. Pray for those who bug you and contradict you. Bring their names in the throne room of, room of God and pray for God to abundantly bless them. Or, you know, you can also pray for a wake-up call. You know, some people need a wake-up call. They don't need blessing. So either one of those. And treat everyone like they are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when you're at work, before you drag somebody's name through the, ru- through the mud, remember that God has called you to love that person as well. And he might be calling you to witness to them and to love them in a special way. That's when your light shines out. That's when you stand out. Otherwise, you're just going to blend in with the darkness, and we're pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at that. You can be the most loving person in the world for your kids, for your friends. You could go the extra mile from, for them, but you're going to look just like everybody else who can do that as well. The challenge comes and who you don't like and who doesn't like you. How are you loving them? Um, you know, just a little side note on, you know, on prayer, because we, just because, you know, yesterday was such a controversial day in our nation. Um, so we have, you know, I don't like to get too political, but um, Donald Trump, our leader, whether you agree with him or not, whether he agrees with your ideology, whether he looks like you or not, have you prayed for him yet? Have you prayed for God to bring the weak before his eyes? Have you prayed for God to 
show him, you know, the work that he should do. That God, that God would protect his heart and bring humility and, and bring qualities of a godly leader. Or, or have you just, you know, just thought about hanging him from a noose? Um, try it out. Try it out with our leaders. Try it out with people at work. Try it out with people in our church. If you, if you don't like somebody and you don't like what they think, or, you know, when you pray for somebody, suddenly your heart of love opens up to them. And suddenly you get opportunities. Um, it's pretty wild. Um, so what I want to end with right now is, if I were to say, you know, who's the last person on your list right now? Who is somebody that you really don't like? Uh, that you really don't want to spend time with and be, and be a blessing for. I want you to think of that person and you're not going to say that person out loud because it might just be the person next to you. <laughs> just kidding. Probably isn't, but it might be. Um, so I'm going to lead us in a prayer and we're going to pray for those people. We're going to pray for those people that make us annoyed and that we don't want to see God save. We don't want to see them in heaven, right? Let's put those people on our list right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the ultimate source of forgiveness. You're the ultimate example of loving uncomfortably. So we look to you. We know that it was quite a burden to be praying for people that just crucified you. Um, you did it. You went through this. You know, even the worst situation in our life where someone annoy, even just annoys us. We know it can be done through your spirit, through your help. And Lord Jesus, we bring up that person to you right now. We bring up those that need to hear your voice to you right now. We bring up those that uh, we consider our enemies. We bring up those that have hurt us. God, we pray that they might find you. That they may be won over by your love. And that you would never stop pursuing them. Just like you've never stopped pursuing us. We pray that they would be forgiven by you, just like we have been forgiven. And God, I pray a special blessing over this church. God, there are so many examples of godly men and women that welcome people that look different from them. You know who they are, God. There's such good examples in this church that I didn't bring up today. Um, I thank you so much that our church is, is good at uh, welcoming the outsider. But I pray that you would put in our hearts to be better, to love better, um, and to pursue those that are on the outside. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.